I uh, was listening to that and thinking through what uh, I would have probably prayed in our introduction prayer time this morning uh, in, all, in light of all that's going on with the uh, riots. And, um, you know, I'm okay with the protesting for sure. Um, it's the rioting that, that bothers me. And uh, thinking about that is the fact that what we really as Christians need to emphasize is, I think, two things. One is the, what we've been talking about recently in this series in Corinthians, and that is the love that, that God gives to us that we especially as believers and only rightly as believers can convey to people around us. People need the genuine love of Christ. And where that begins for us, whether people are believers or they're not, if, if we put them in biblical terms, they're lost, they're sheep without a shepherd is what the, the passage that Steve referred to this morning says. They need to know that they're made in the image of God. And, and, and that's where right relationships begin so that we can proclaim the gospel to them. Because when they know that they're image bearers of God, but that image is marred because of sin, and all of us are in desperate need for Christ as our saviors. Kevin, thank you so much for what you prayed. Um, It's not about trying to look at one particular sin. It's that sin is the sickness. Sin is the disease. Sin is our depravity. It doesn't matter what specific type it is. And the only remedy of that sin is Christ. And that's what we're celebrating today in communion. We are looking today at these two elements that Christ brought into a new relationship with his church Uh, At that last supper, he partook with his disciples. And he took what had been historically done at the Passover, and he transformed all of the meaning to point directly to him so that we would recognize and know that he is our Savior. So I have some thoughts, and I'm going to stick really close to my notes this morning um, for a couple reasons, um, because I think they're the best thoughts. Sometimes when I wander, I get uh, a little bit off track and I I can get out of order. So I want to make sure this morning I really go systematically through. So forgive me for that, but I think it'll be better for all of us. So I want to begin with a thought um, that Charles Spurgeon had. You guys know I I love Spurgeon. Um, If you're not reading Spurgeon, I would encourage you to go. You can get online, uh, go to Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. They have the Spurgeon uh, online library. Read some of his messages. They're phenomenal. He's a great communicator. Um, and and it's, not, it's not expository so much. It, his his uh, approach is, is one that is very readable. It's very artistic. And I think it, it's part of why he's very engaging. So as I was studying some of his thoughts about communion, because I, I love to just catch his thoughts on things, here's one of the things he says. He wrote that the spiritual benefit derived from participating in the Lord's Supper does not come from itself. So it's not about the elements itself, but from the help. Now, I, I love this. It comes from the help it gives to the exercise of faith in the realities brought to remembrance by the symbols. Does that make sense why I would identify that? It's not so much about the elements, okay? We, we can partake the elements and it, it will really do us no good if we just go through the motions of that. 
Instead, by taking these elements, we are to go back and remember what the elements stand for. And then in doing that, our faith will be strengthened. Our love for the Lord will be encouraged. And and the the text that we're looking at today, I think is very pertinent for for both us as believers, uh, but also for us as believers contextually in a world that is desperate. To know the hope of Jesus, because that's only through Jesus is peace going to be afforded. It's not going to come through peaceful protest. It's not going to come through a judge ruling on, on a misdemeanor of any kind or any level. Peace is only truly going to be found through Jesus Christ. And our responsibility as believers is to proclaim the truth of Christ. So we have this mission statement, Connecting Communities, Changing Lives. That is not about just us connecting, okay? That's important. But, but the, the truth is what we need to do is we need to connect people with Jesus because Jesus is the one who changes lives. So if we will connect with him through the love and good news of Jesus Christ, which though it's not spelled out, it's present in that statement, connecting communities with the love and good news of Jesus Christ so they can be changed by Jesus. That's what we need to be about. So let me read the passage for this morning and then give you some thoughts on these elements and, and the, actually more about the passage itself. So in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six, 26, and if you don't have this marked in your Bible, I would encourage you to do that. It's a very, very simple verse, but it's a great verse on communion. And I think when, as we unpack this today, you're going to recognize all the uh, more of the implications of this. So in, in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six. Paul is speaking to this church that's had struggles. They've not been getting things right. And they've had sin in their camp, so to speak, in the church. And he's trying to correct them so that they can take communion properly and so that they will find their faith strengthened. And instead, they are actually taking communion wrongly. And some of their church members, because of the manner in which they're taking it wrongly, are actually getting sick because they're doing it in rebellion to God. They're not right before him. And we're going to look at a little bit of our need to do some inward reflection in a minute. So let's, let's look at 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six. Paul says, For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Simple, isn't it? It's really simple. There's three things that I think we're... Uh, are are present in this text that we need to look at. First of all is the elements. As often as you take the bread or drink the cup. Now, it's not the cup. You don't drink a cup, right? That doesn't make sense. Um, If you had a a cup made of waffle cone, you might drink that like I do my ice cream, you know, when it melts, right? But, or the the soft sugar cones, those are even better, right? But you don't drink a cup. So it's actually representing the the wine, the blood of Christ. Um, So, daggummit, I forgot to do something. Gina Ryan, are you kids ready with 1 Corinthians 1, I mean 13, 1 through 3? Probably not. Okay. Remember, uh, we're trying to remember, uh, memorize 1 Corinthians 13. See, see this, welcome to Matt's, the messiness of Matt's mind, okay? Sorry. I'm watching things happen and I'm like, oh, I forgot that. You're teaching and all these things. It's crazy in here. Forgive me, Jason. We, no, oh, forget. he started to say, no, I'm not forgiving you. You did not affirmatively. Thank you. My brother and friend, <laughs> we're going to have a long chat if I didn't get it. <laughs> Are your kids, your, your kids have it? Okay. 
So next week, we'll be back in, in 1 Corinthians 13, so we'll work on memorization, okay? The Warren family was quoting it yesterday. We were getting arguments because people were quoting it differently wrong, you know, the competitive nature of us. So anyhow, we'll go back there. So 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six. The three elements, we're first looking at the cup or the, the bread and the, the wine, not the cup, but the cup represents the wine. Now, let's, let's think through these things for just a moment because I think when you think uh, and consider the elements, the, they represent the body and the blood of Christ specifically. Now, I, wanna, I want us to think through something first of all. When, when you're looking at a person or you're thinking about your own physical body, there's the, the body itself, the physical, tangible things, and then what is required to have life inside that body is blood. If, if you were to crush the body, what would happen? Even if the blood remained, like you could physically be crushed, have all of your internal organs crushed, your blood remains intact, but what would happen? You'd be dead, Right? You, you have to have your body intact. If you extract all, of, extract all of the blood out of the body and the body remains intact, what happens though? Well, I know that's weird, but, but you get the, the image, right? The body would die because there's life in the blood. So, so when Paul is identifying these things, and more importantly, when Jesus was identifying these elements, he, he took them and took them apart, he, he didn't talk about them in one unit. And there's a significance to that because he's saying that what he is about to endure is going to be his death. It, it, it's a, about the physical suffering that he would endure. And, and that's why he took these two elements and treated them in a moment separately and talked about how each of them represents something for him and, and for us. So, so I want you to think about this. We sung about it this morning. But when we think about where, where Christ suffered, it was on kids. Where was it? On the cross. I heard you, Eli. Thank you. Say it really loud, kids. Gee, thank you. Very ba good back there. I was going to give you a second, but that's great. It was on the cross. The cross was a place of violence. It, it was a place of suffering. And Jesus knew what he was about to endure. Now, recently, thanks to uh, Mallory and... Who was the other one that gave you the friendship bread? Jen Wee. Jen Wee. Yeah, so thank you, Jen. Thank you, Mallory. I know y'all are here this morning. Um, the, the Warrens, due to y'all's generosity and gifts to us with bread starters, we've been having fresh bread about every 10, 7, 10 days, something like that. So uh, the COVID-19 quarantine has been a bread fast for us, and it's put, put it on in the midsections. Um, but it's been good. But it, it made me think about the process that Katie and the girls have been going through because Katie's trying to work with the girls to help them learn to cook and do some of these things. And, and I started thinking about the process of bread. And I want you to hear the, the suffering that goes on. Because when I eat the bread or I walk in the house and, or wake up at some point in the morning, all of a sudden I'm smelling fresh bread. Uh, all I want to do is go bread's out of the oven, cut it, put some butter on it, and partake because it is yummy good. But here's the thing. When you think about the entire process that it takes to make bread, where does it begin? With a grain of wheat that is placed into a spot in the ground, sewn into the ground, and then what has to happen? It has to be buried, covered up. Then the seed has to die to itself. So I don't know about you, but if I'm the life of that seed, I don't want to be placed in the ground, covered up, die to self, 
Then it grows, right? Shoots, roots grow, it shoots up out of the ground. And then what happens? You have to wet water. It has to undergo the, the, the sun. It, it's actually going through process, which is good for it, but it can also be a process of hardship because there's wind and, and could be torrential rains, all those kind of things. It begins to suffer. Then what ultimately happens is when it ripens, it has to be what? harvested, cut down. Then it goes through the process, especially in the Old Testament or, or biblical times, they would have threshed the grain, which would have been a, a very difficult process. After the threshing of the grain, what would they have done? They would have put it on a millstone and, and ground the grain and crushed it until it became flour. Then they would have added it with some kind of yeast ingredient, uh, sugars and all those kinds of things. And the bread actually goes through what? fermentation process where the sugars and other things, it begins to break down. And that fermentation process is a process of, of, in a sense, pain as it grows because it produces heat and gases and all these things that have to be managed. Then ultimately, once that, that process is done, you add the rest of the flour to it. What happens next? It rises. And then what do you have to do? Rebecca had fun doing this the first time, and Juliana did. You got to punch it down, right? And then you after that punching down, you put it in the bread pans, and then what happens? It rises, the last rising process, and then where does it go? Into the oven, to the heat, to bake, to be brought out for Pastor Matt to get to enjoy. <laughs> yummy, yummy, right? Y'all are with me. But I want you to think about this for a second. The body, the, the, the bread represents the body of Christ broken, enduring suffering. The only reason for us to be able to partake of the grace that is bestowed upon us by him, of no merit of our own. That's why the girls do all the work. I get to eat it, right? It's, it's a good illustration that I just get the grace. I, I get the nutrition of that. I get the blessing and the benefit of that. And that is why Christ came to suffer on our behalf. The element of the wine. Think about the process of making wine. I don't know if you've ever studied this uh, for biblical purposes. I have. And, and part of it is this. You take the, the grape off the vine. There's actually in old days, they would de-stem the grape and do some things. And then they would throw it into a, a vat. And then what would they do? They would press it with their feet. They'd trod it on the wine or the grapes, and they would, they would separate uh, the, the skins and the tannins and all these things would start to happen. And then they would take that and they would feed it, the, the juice with sugars, and then they would, it would go again through a fermentation process where it actually produces its own heat and it expands and gases and all these things. Thus Jesus' uh, parable about putting new wine in old wineskins. It would burst the wineskin because of the expansion. It, it, and, and so then, ultimately, through that fermentation process, the, the grapes uh, turn into this product we call wine, and it is able to be consumed. The whole thing is still about the suffering of Christ. So Christ knew that he was going to endure these things. So when, when we think about this, especially in terms of these two metaphors, Jesus says that he is the bread of life. What a great picture. That, that bread is what nourishes us, gives us life, and Jesus is that. In Hebrews 9.22, we are told this, Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. So when you think about what Jesus endured 
on our behalf on the cross as his body was sacrificed. He endured suffering. He endured hardship. But more than all of that, he endured the wrath of God. God's wrath was poured out upon him so that we might receive forgiveness. Not because of anything we've done, but simply because of Christ. So, together these two elements remind us that we are the beneficiaries. So, when we look back at this passage, it's not only the elements that are mentioned, but it is the death of Christ that we proclaim. So, I think that uh, I want to read this passage to you. In 1 Peter 3.18, it says that Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. So when we partake of communion in a couple of minutes, we are presenting and acknowledging and remembering that Christ is our mediator. Now, that's an important thing to remember. Because none of these things could be done by us. It's simply by the mediatorial act of Christ that we can be made righteous and be reconciled to God. So when we think about culture and context for just a minute, when we think about people being made in the image of God, the only way they are afforded peace, the only way they can be reconciled to God is through the sacrifice of Christ. So let's look now at this second part of this verse. It says that here are the elements. Let me read it again. He says, for as often as you eat the bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death. So what does this word proclaim mean? Well, when we pro, uh, talk about and recognize the, the act of com, uh, or communion, when we do this and recognize Christ, we are proclaiming this truth, that there is a satisfactory nature to the work of Christ. Now, I want you to think about that with me for just a moment. Had Christ's sacrifice not been satisfactory, how would we feel? What, what would our take on things be, be? Would we want to proclaim it? We, we'd be, what's the point? We'd be actually ashamed of it. It's not effective. But by proclaiming it, we are acknowledging that Christ's sacrifice is sufficient in every way. Uh, John Owen, I've, I've shared this, I've been reading some of his works recently. John Owen noted this. He said that Christ applied to the believer all the good things purchased by his death. There is nothing withheld, no area that Christ fell short. Think about that for a moment. There is nothing short in Christ. My car, I drove in this morning, I got to run a couple errands after church this morning, and what was I looking at? The gas gauge, because I ran errands this through the weekend, down to Hendersonville and back, trying to finish up some projects. So, unfortunately, if you're like me, you're going to run out of gas one day. Has anybody ever run out of gas and been stranded? Oh, man, it's the worst feeling in the world. And then, yeah, yeah. Why? Because you ha it's not satisfactory. You have to keep going back and back and back. We can list thing after thing that is not sufficient, that is never going to satisfy fully. That is the total opposite with Christ. His mediatorial work provides everything that we ever need. He's worth worshiping. He's worth 
of our worship. He is worthy of our attention. He's worthy of our devotion. He's worthy of our love. He's worthy of us proclaiming him and his perfect sacrificial death to the world so that people would know of the good news of Christ. So when we do this, the beauty is we also glorify God our Father because who set this plan in motion? He did. (laughs) And so when we recognize the wonder of Christ's mediatorial act, we're also acknowledging the perfect plan of salvation. So it brings glory to him and to Jesus and to the Father. So if you notice back in the text, the third thing, for as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death, what? Until he comes, until he comes. Let me encourage you with a a truth. Until Christ returns, okay, until he comes, there's always going to be a church. Now, maybe a persecuted church, Things may be vastly different. I think we're seeing signs of how that is going to change in America for us. Uh, I'm I'm not going to get into the politics and prophetic aspects of that other than just to say that there are changes on the horizon in my understanding. And the truth of it means it doesn't matter whether I believe that is right or wrong or you disagree or agree, whatever. But the truth is the church is going to remain. And as long as the church remains, we have the privilege and responsibility to proclaim this truth until he comes. So church, we need to be bold about this. We need to use this celebration and memorial as an opportunity to proclaim the hope that there is in Christ. Because in Christ, there is no other hope. You think about all the circumstances that are happening in our world. Because I think about just tracing Nashville alone. Right before the the quarantine stuff started, what had just happened? Tornadoes, right? Tragic events all throughout the Middle Tennessee area. Then quarantine happens, which has been tragic in a lot of ways. Then we are in the middle of phase two just starting. Business is opening at a new level, and we have riots taking place. It's tragedy. What, What people are longing for is the hope of Christ, And we have that hope as believers. And we need to proclaim that hope until he comes. And so what it means is we are reminded to remain devoted to him in love and in service and in gratitude with joy. And by partaking of these elements together today, we are going to be doing those very things. So I mentioned this early and I want to give you my thoughts before we enter in time of reflection. With all those things presented about communion, we we recognize why it is such a sacred event. It's not just about a simple act. It is probably one of, if not, the most profound acts that we as a church body, as a group of gathered believers can do together. And so we want to celebrate it well. We want to do it right. But one of the things that was happening in in 1 Corinthians or in the church at Corinth that that Paul's correcting in this this letter, first letter to the church, is that they were taking, some of them were taking the the, the elements inappropriately. They were elbowing others out of the way. They were were just doing it all wrong. It was a, a prideful event. And so one of the things that we want to make sure that we do this morning is that we take time to personally reflect on where we are, to make sure that our hearts are right, to make sure that, that if there's uh, sin in our lives that, it, that we've had, have been hanging on to, that's habitual sin, 
And maybe we're uh, just more intent on pursuing that sin than we are being devoted to Christ. We want to give you the moment and the opportunity today to repent of those things, to make sure that your heart and your mind and your soul are right with the Lord. The the scriptures talk at length about being at, um, at odds with your brother and then taking communion wrongly because you're living in offense. If you have an offense with someone, you need to go and make that right with them. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a time of reflection and meditation. And I'm going to lead this, and in the middle of this, I'm going to pause, and I'm going to wait literally just one minute. I'm going to look at my watch and time that. So you're going to have a minute to, to really be alone with the Lord. I know that seems short. It'll probably be really long in the moment. So there's plenty of time for you to be reflective, to, to do business in that sense of being right with the Lord. So let me open us in a time of prayer and reflection as we think through this and get ready to take the elements. And I'll explain how we're going to do that in just a minute. Heavenly Father, we come together as a body. Lord, I know some of our body is scattered right now across uh, Robertson County and surrounding areas, tuned in on Facebook, but we're still a body. And Lord, we are grateful this morning as your body of believers for the gift of salvation in Jesus Christ. We recognize that we have a need to reflect on our lives and how we are living with you and with one another. We need to consider if we are being obedient or disobedient. We must confess our waywardness, our sin, and our pride. We must also meditate and reflect to see if we are offensive to you, if we're in habitual sin that leads us into conflict with you. We need to and we must repent of that, acknowledging the forgiveness that you have offered, the hope of restoration with you, and the promise of restoration with others. All of these things are found in and through Jesus and the work of your indwelling Holy Spirit in us. Therefore, Father, we ask that through the work of your Spirit, you convict us so that we would know what to confess. And as we learn of our sin and failings, may we quickly, without hesitation or excuse, come before you in humble contrition and brokenness so that we discover forgiveness. And then we will trust that our confession gives us that avenue for you to cleanse us and restore us to fellowship with you and others. So with those thoughts in mind, my prayer and my ask right now is that you take this minute to do that very thing, to reflect and ask the, the Holy Spirit to reveal anything to you that may be sin or is keeping you from fellowship with the Lord.
Heavenly Father, now we rejoice. We acknowledge with gratefulness the fulfillment of your promises that give us true hope. As we take these elements, we do so in remembrance of the sacrifice of Jesus. We do this as an act of worship to proclaim his power, authority, and worth as he glorified you, Father, in his perfect sacrifice. Father, we do so with the deepest sense of joy for your gift of salvation through Jesus' death. Jesus, this is a message we proclaim until you come again. Amen. So here's how we're going to proceed with the elements. If you, can you get the lights up just a little bit, Genevieve? That'll help us just a smidge. That's, that's good. We have uh, elements placed in two cups, one inside the other. Uh, they're spread out in, in the uh, trays, so your hands hopefully don't, you know, reach and touch anyone else's. So there's uh, on the communion table over here, there's one at the altar at the cross over here, there's a table right there on the back uh, in the corner, um, there's one right here in the center, there's one back there behind the wheats, and then there's one over here uh, behind Joy and Dan. So what we're thinking is that you as just families can take time to prepare yourselves when you're ready. There doesn't need to be a, a fast rush because I'm not going to be administering the ele elements this morning, okay, other than we've already presented those things in that, that essence. We just want you to be able to partake at your own leisure, if you will. And, and at some point, I will uh, pray over us again, Perry. Uh, I think I'll give you guys, where did Perry go? He's, there he is. Um, Perry, you go ahead and watch you uh, Try to just on the early swing, take communion um, on the early side, yeah, um, with your family. And um, that way you can get up here and, and be ready for the reprise of the morning. So this is your time. I'm going to move down with my family. We're going to pray for just a minute and, and allow you as, and your families to, to take these elements together. Uh, take the bread first. Uh, that's how we were instructed. And then after that, take the, the cup and drink the juice in remembrance of Christ. <clears throat> 